Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Podcast. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by co-host Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting and also with FanRag Sports. We're the Draft Dudes Podcast, and we are getting awfully close to the NFL Draft. Kyle, we are six Pat White days away from a lot of people being pissed. And a lot of people being really happy. The first round will be behind us. Welcome to a Friday here, Mr. Krabs. Uh, To quote the great Bart Scott, can't wait. Are you going to gloss over my Pat White reference? Yes, I am pretending it didn't even happen. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I'm glad you mentioned that. Hey, Joe, six days away, right? Six. That means we're only two days away from uh, the amount of days that are equivalent to how many straight Super Bowls the Buffalo Bills lost in the 1990s. Jeez, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you, you pulled that one out of the air, man, and that was, that was I don't know if I can continue. Cloak and dagger, man. Jeez. I, just, oh, I, man. I didn't even bother pulling the, the sheep's wool over your eyes before I did it. <laughs> so I'll have to really pull hard for my uh, my dolphins yeah. dig on monday go so. ahead on monday yeah yeah i got the weekend to think about that uh hey kyle one one quick thing we've got to clear something up um you know the draft as we just mentioned six days away uh but we're not going away after that i i, I thought this was clear but um we are a year-round nfl draft podcast three That's times right. a week we're not going away so if you are anxious about the 2018 draft and want to know everything there is to know about that that group of players well guess what happens immediately after the 2017 draft we're getting into it you know we'll spend a little time maybe talking about the 2017 draft but uh you know we are a uh, 12 month a year three times a week production on the nfl draft talking prospects talking mock drafts talking everything you care about that's draft related we're not going away and that's why we ask you at the beginning of every show what's better than this that is uh you know it and it makes us better as evaluators too, you know, like, mm-hmm. because we'll, we'll probably spend two or three weeks, maybe, maybe may like really digging into positional fits and, and how the draft played out. And some of the things we'll take from, from press conferences around the league uh, from general managers as they discuss, um, you know, how the board fell and why they picked guys they did. And, and if they were deliberating trades and, uh, we'll connect all those dots, and that'll be great. And then you know, our summer work starts right at the end of May, and we're going to have a list of uh, of between 75 and 100 guys, and we're going to start doing deep dives and start collecting bios. And uh, all that stuff's going to be transparent through NDTScouting.com and the podcast. So I, I think it's, again, the goal is to kind of change the game with – draft evaluation and and how people consume the draft and uh, i think we got something here 
Yeah, no question about it. And, and today, this is this is the one I've been looking forward to. These are my favorite players. We're talking defensive line, edge linebacker, basically front seven on defense. And uh, this is a, a deep, talented group. These are the guys I love watching on film and evaluating, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that's the same for you. Uh, so what do you say we get into these guys? Yeah, we're going to have our hands full with this show um, <laughs> because we did 30 pass rushers. We did like six five tech, like pure five techs, uh, 24 defensive tackles, so that's 60 players, and then like 32 linebackers. So we're going to do our <laughs> best to remember the, to include the name and the school, uh, but just know right off the bat we've got 18 defensive linemen in our composite top 100 players. So it's a very deep class. I uh, would like to see each of us uh, give a few words, kind of maybe we take turns and do each of those guys a service and the names that maybe are outside that uh, we feel deserve a little recognition. Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, Miles Garrett, right? Everyone heard of this guy? <laughs> Miles Garrett, who? Yeah, Miles Garrett. Um, well, I Texas did a, A&M. Texas A&M. Thank you, Joe. I almost blew it right <laughs> on the first one. Um, Joe, I'm curious if you had any reaction. You know, I asked you if you read it uh, off the air, but I didn't get a chance to really open up with you just because we've been so freaking busy. Uh, I wrote a piece for FanRag last week talking about Miles Garrett and you know maybe speculating why um because his on the field talent is very well established right like do we, do we really need to sit here and get into X's and O's on Miles Garrett like no, no. everybody does it's, so it's great. so there's been some kickback on Garrett and apparently some the the Browns aren't sold on him and uh some some people in whether it's in football media or front offices are a little speculative about you know Garrett as an individual and you know, I wrote a piece that kind of profiled that and you know, put a spin on it that maybe this is why people are quote-unquote afraid. Some people are put off by Miles Garrett, and I was curious if you had any reaction to that. Um, yeah, geez, you know, it's interesting, right? Von Miller's kind of that way too, right? Yeah. He's like a chicken farmer, loves agriculture, um, but just a freak football player. So, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to really – I think we're – I think – it's it's a it's a nice layer that you uncovered, but I think given the information that there's some internal disconnect with the Browns and who they want to pick, I feel like we're we're left searching for you know potential reasons why. And I thought you outlined did a really nice job outlining what those potential reasons are. Um, and, and it makes makes me think: is this more about Miles Garrett or is this more about Mitch Trubisky? You know, their disconnect and. Um, uh, we'll see. You know, we'll have to wait and see. For me, it's a it's an easy decision. I'm not going to be the team that lets Miles Garrett get past me. Um, and, and the Browns are seemingly poised to consider that option. Right. Well, I guess we'll we'll just say Garrett, high ceiling, translatable trait that translates early, and um, tremendous athletic profile. From all accounts, a, a very strong personality to have in your locker room. Uh, has his head on straight, has uh, a, a lot working for him. And I guess we'll, we'll probably just leave Miles at that. I think everybody's heard quite a bit about Miles. Yeah. Where you where it gets interesting is below Garrett. Everybody's board seems to have like a different flavor. Uh, we have uh, John Allen, number two, Alabama. Uh, some has been made about his shoulder. Uh, but apparently his shoulder is something that's more of a 15-year-down-the-road type issue. His shoulders mm-hmm. are no, should not be an immediate impact. Uh, and we have him classified as edge, Joe. I know some people kick that idea around as well and, and you know struggle to place him on an edge roll. Uh, but I'm operating under the assumption that this is a guy you play on the strong side, set the edge in the running game in early downs, and then you kick him inside and play him inside on uh, on your pass rush opportunities. Yeah, I'm good with that. And I think he's damn good at it. I mean, uh, talk about just a physically stout player, uh, popping his hands, what he's able to do with his hands to attack block. And 
and love them into it. And uh, if you know, they do get a hand on him, he's got nice hand swipe and just keeps himself clean and has a ton of power to reset the line of scrimmage. And he does well to locate the football and shuck blocks and get there, man. I mean, uh, this dude's a, this dude's a, a freaking fire hydrant that's not going to get blasted on drive blocks. He's going to maintain his caps and he's going to live in the backfield. And, and uh, you know, he's had quality production across three seasons. I mean, uh, I, I love him. Obviously, you don't want to hear anything about health concerns, but uh, has an impact on him at Alabama. And, and like you said, it's more of a down-the-road thing. Uh, I think you're going to get a, a really nice football player here in John Allen. Uh, there you go using that shuck phrase again. Um, yeah, man. It's, oh, God, just the visual of it so great. I think it was a groundbreaking phrase. I'm glad you like it, man. Yeah, I, I had never never crossed my mind, but it makes sense when you yep. when you mentally picture it. I'm more of a I was under the school of uh, stack and shed. So stack is like you extend the arms, and then shed is you know your counters or your disengage. Yeah. So maybe stack and shuck. Maybe I can start using that. Uh, sure, man. Joe, you F- love this. You have this defense. Love this defensive line class. You have. What nine players in your top thirty? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, a lot of those are edge. Yeah. So I'm gonna let you, you know, because you have a guy uh, that we're separated by about 27 spots on our individual boards. On that, it, you probably want to get this off your chest and let me have it, and I'm gonna give you the opportunity to do that right now. Yeah. So we're gonna get into Solomon Thomas out of out of Stanford and. Um, I'll let Kyle explain why I'm wrong, but I really think this is a obviously a player that has good athleticism. He tested really well. Um, the the issue is going to be that he's 273 pounds, and he wins by attacking interior gaps, and um, that's fine. He is a a true he's an athletic Michael Bennett in my world. Um, I can play him inside and outside. Um, you know, he got a, a probably among the best players in this class in terms of just playing through blocks, locating the football. He, he beats blocks. He's quick. Um, you know, I think there, there's some parallels here to Aaron Donald. Um, you know, he's not all that much smaller than Aaron Donald. And what you have to live with with those types of guys is they're going to get into the backfield. They're going to make plays. But they're also going to create levels. Uh, and, and, you know, their gap integrity is going to be a little bit questionable. Um, but that... That's what you have to live with. So I like the explosive, off-the-ball type uh, profile that he gives to get into the neutral zone and beat blocks, slip blocks, and just make plays in the backfield. And I I like that he can attack interior gaps, and he's got the length and athleticism to get around the edge. So um, yeah, I think he's a really nice, versatile defensive lineman, and uh, he's a number six player on my board. Yeah, as a power rusher, I really like him. I like him a good deal. Uh, where I had my exceptions, I mean, I had him 33rd on the board, which I know kind of flies in the face of consensus. And, again, I'm not suggesting that he will get picked 33rd. It's just I'm saying if if you're taking Thomas in the top 10, you probably have to operate under the assumption that there's going to be a, a transitional period for him, in my opinion where what he does well is a power rusher uh, on the outside and a speed, agile rusher on the inside. Uh, he, he does that very well. His get-off and his functional balance and his build all lend themselves well to him playing through lateral contact. Uh, but when he's square up with guys, uh, I saw a lot of reps of him getting turned out at the line of scrimmage in the run game. And... Um, I didn't think he showed the most versatile set of pass rush counters, which is why he is where he is. But I still like Solomon quite a bit. I'm just not there with you as far as the ceiling and where the floor is right now. More importantly, can I want to? I don't want to get far off course here, but you just said something very interesting to me that I haven't really thought about that much, and and I want to get your take. You mentioned pass rush counters, and, and I think a few of the players that we're about to get into lack pass rush counters is that something that can develop i certainly think so i i think um learning how to build off something is the big quick thing so sure if i have a guy that can hang their hat on a move and i'm looking at the next three guys down the list and i say yes yes and yes 
Each mm-hmm. one of those guys has a unique individual go-to, if you will. Their, their signature move. And it's not like being a quarterback where you have to operate under as close to identical working conditions on every single rep as you possibly can as far as getting away from center, getting on your platform, and delivering the ball to throw it accurately. Um, These guys have much more space to operate. They're uh, encouraged to play forward and play with aggression. And it's just... You know, getting that light bulb to click and say, okay, have it's like what um, Tim Williams said when he came on Draft Dudes. He's like, have a plan A and a plan B. And press for that plan A and understand if it's not there, I have to go to plan B. And it's just getting that plan B more firmly ingrained in a lot of these guys and getting them to trust it is the big question. Uh, but each of the, the the all four of these guys, Solomon, uh, the next guys down our list, T.J. Watt, there's and uh, Derek Barnett, uh, they'll strike me as intelligent football players. So I, I don't have concerns personally that uh, they can add another layer. It's when you don't have anything is when I when I get yeah. nervous. Yeah, sure. Um, let's keep rolling here, uh, and, I, and I'll introduce the player. I, I, but I want you to talk about uh, it this, this. This is one of your dudes, man. You were, you were quote unquote first here. Uh, T.J. Watt, uh, Wisconsin edge player, set the scene. Yeah, and you're twice as high on him as I am. It, it, <laughs> that that would really grinds me. I yeah. said the same thing on Battle of the Boards, but holy cow, Joe, you're not allowed to like him more than I am. Yeah, there's no law against it unless you. I mean, is that that was not part of my contract? So uh, that's fine print. Fine print, it's on the back <laughs> okay. page. Um, no, so TJ, why TJ finished lower uh, for me than he did for you, uh, I can circle back I think we to. Know, I think we know why. Yeah, the the, the playing experience, um, you know, having an experience <laughs> metric that's centered around you know, games played and games started. Um, that hurt TJ as a one-year starter. Um the production this year was tremendous. And as good as the production was, it could have been even better if the guy learned how to, to break down and finish plays. There were a ton of plays that he missed the opportunity to finish. Uh, really love his motor. I think he corners well. He's got some of the best applicable football intelligence, especially as a two-year player at that position, uh, processing things at the snap, after the snap. Uh, the subtle things of getting into his fits with the appropriate shoulder and the discipline to you know, be a stunt player and commit fully to occupying another offensive lineman and letting a teammate run free and then playing through contact and having a motor that's hotter than everybody on the field and still being able to find the ball. Uh, where he's also gotten hurt for me is he's pretty one-dimensional as a player right now. He doesn't have a lot of anchor, he doesn't have a lot of weight in his lower half, and uh, he's going to get pushed around if you try and play him in tighter to the ball, if you try and play him with his hand in the dirt, and if you try and play him on a high volume of your plays. So your first year, you got to operate on the assumption that uh, you got to be a little bit more selective with TJ, or you're going to have to move him off the ball a little bit, which he's been exposed to do, but his ceiling and what he can become... You know, as as a two year player and what he showed this year in his first year as a starter, uh, I I just love that profile. Yeah, he's exciting. Um, one of the most urgent football players. I like what he does, just kind of like low key as a backside defender. You know, a lot of these guys just kind of go through the motions when they're when they're not play side. Uh, this dude's this dude's getting down the line of scrimmage and making plays. So uh, I love the profile there. Um, Derek Barnett is the next guy up out of Tennessee. Uh, the guy who broke Reggie White's all-time record for sacks at at uh, Tennessee, and um, obviously a, a highly productive player, uh, over 50 tackles for loss over the last three seasons at Tennessee. Um, you know, he's he's really kind of the to tie in the Solomon Thomas conversation. He's a little bit one-dimensional, uh, but what he does in terms of anticipating the snap coming off the ball with leverage and getting a lot of depth on his initial steps and reducing his surface area, flattening and getting the corner. I mean, the SEC has had nightmares trying to stop that move, Uh, but he gets it done. Uh, So, you know, if he can really build some more 
pass rush off of that, uh, you know, I think he's he's going to be an even better player. Um, he's on my board 16 for U35. Um, so he does need some refinement, but I think the overall package is there to be a really nice base 4-3 defensive end. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Um, I, I agree with most of what you said. I would just say... Um, you know, where I had the, the issue with Barnett is uh, his wins were oriented around snap anticipation and not a, not especially explosive first step. And that could translate, uh, but that's also probably going to have a little bit lower success hit rate in the NFL than what he did at college. So until he builds that secondary move off of that that anticipatory rush and, and dip of the inside shoulder and flattening. Uh, I'm going to be a, a little more lukewarm about him as compared to folks that have him up in the top 10. Uh, Joe, let's get into Derek Rivers, uh, and then we'll get into uh, Chris Wormley as a 5'10", and Malik McDowell as a defensive tackle, and then we'll get into some uh, quicker word association and, and kind of keep the floor for these guys around 30, 45 seconds just so we can give the folks the takes and give yeah. them as many as possible. Let's uh, go. Uh, Rivers, Youngstown State. Uh, twitched up kid, man. He, he has a really favorable um, athletic profile. Uh, he's a little lighter, kind of like T.J. Watt. He's a little more explosive than T.J. Uh, functional strength uh, is good. Uh, he's not 30 bench reps, which he put up at the Combine. He doesn't have that kind of overwhelming amounts of power, but he, he has enough strength. And uh, he had plenty of opportunities at Youngstown to play quality football teams. They played, like, West Virginia this year. Um, you know, they, they made a run deep into the uh, FCS playoffs. They played in the championship game. So they had an opportunity to uh, showcase themselves quite well. And Rivers uh, really like uh, the twitch, the burst off the line of scrimmage, how loose he is. He's very pliable and able to turn the corner uh, at steep angles. And his motor runs hot. He, he's a lot of what uh, T.J. Watt is. Um, He's a little bit more firmly entrenched as a starter. I'm not buying the issues as as far as level of competition. He dominated that, uh, the FCS level. So, uh, you know, again, as another reminder, seems like I've been talking about it a couple times every week now leading up to the draft. Uh, Level of competition, if you look the part, you test the part, and you produce the part, you're probably the part. And that's Derek Rivers. He's uh, 26 on Joe, your board, and 38th on mine. Uh, early second round value. Uh, very, very good football player. Yeah, Chris Wormley, Michigan. Uh, five technique. I think he can play defensive tackle as well. Yeah, I think that the word that really just summarizes what you're getting in Wormley is power. Right, this dude is just nasty with his with his hands. He's got a stout anchor. Uh, he's never going to get cheated on a rep. I promise you that. He's not going. No one's going to exchange power at, at a level that's going to uh, you know supersede what he's able to exchange there. Um, you know, he's going to be in his gaps, and he's going to be able to you know stack and shuck, man. I mean, this is that's what this guy's going to be able to do. He's got the length to cap. Uh, but again, I'm po- I'm fine with him playing. Uh, on the on as a defensive tackle on even fronts as well, so he doesn't offer you a, a ton in the way of twitch and flexibility, but um, you know I don't need him to do that type of stuff. You know he, what, what he's going to be able to do to work through contact and uh, and just dispose of blocks. You know he's he's going to be just fine. So um, I think he's going to be a nice piece on a, and a productive defensive line that uh, I think he's pretty diverse across schemes as well. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And Wormley's weird. He's a uh, he's the closest player that you and I have outside of Miles Garrett uh, in our top like fifty defensive linemen. <laughs> yeah, we're eleven spots apart. Uh, we're uh, you skew. You have him thirty. I have him forty one. I think he's he's like one of the. I don't want to say safest, but he's one of the safest in my opinion. Probably. Yeah, he's not going to be bad. No, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he, you know what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and he, he was a tough film eval for some folks, too, because he played a lot out of position, where they played him on the boundary. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. I thought it really did him a disservice, where, you know, you got him into cl- some close sets where he's got a tight end outside of him, and you see him work in some tighter areas, and he just dominates people. Yeah. It's awesome. Michigan did that to a couple guys, right? Yes. Yeah, that <laughs> seems to be a, a running theme now. Yeah. We'll get into that uh, on Monday's show. Yes. Uh, Malik McDowell, Michigan State, first defensive tackle. Uh, Joe likes him. 
notably more than I do. Joe has him 24th on his board. I have him 69th on my board. Uh, second round value. He's the only defensive tackle in the class that I have a second round value or better on. Uh, so he's, he, he is, for both of us, our defensive tackle one. McDowell's athletic profile is freaky, man. Now, I watched him rush the passer on the outside against offensive tackles and turn the corner better than uh, some of the names that are a little further down our edge tiers. Like, he, he's really something to watch. Like, when his motor's on, when he's running hot, when he's you know, encouraged to get after it and let loose, uh, the, the twitch is there. I think he's 305. Uh, he ran sub five in the forty. He had a good ten yard split. His agility drills were were pretty solid. Um, for me, McDowell is just you don't always know what you're getting. Motor doesn't consistently run hot. Uh, he his it seemed like he got off script a little bit. Uh, there were some times where um, he's hunting the ball as compared to executing primary responsibilities and, you know, the basics, like, you know, don't cut underneath trying to make a play, uh, cross the face and slide laterally. Those sorts of things with McDowell, I had some notes on where uh, those issues popped up every now and again, and he left some plays on the field because he's getting over-aggressive trying to make a play. If you can get him to, A, have a fire under his butt, and, B, get him to consistently play within whatever structure you're going to give him, uh, Joe, I, th- I think you're right on track as far as your rank, um, what kind of ceiling he has. I'm just not necessarily sold that it's going to happen. Yeah, try to see the best in the dude, but I, I certainly get the, the tempered enthusiasm. I know you want to go rapid fire here, um, and uh, I, I got I to gotta talk about Carl Lawson real quick. That's fine, I got to talk that. about Taco Charlton. Okay, so so Carl Lawson, Auburn, uh, injured in 15 and 14 with an ACL and a hip injury. Uh, we saw what this guy can do last year, and, and I love him off the edge. He doesn't give you the length you want, um, but what he's able to do in terms of getting off the ball with burst, uh, using his hands to soften the edge and bending around the corner, I mean, he's, he's really loose, really flexible, explosive, uh, you know, t- to carry that speed through the angle and get to the quarterback. He's got heavy hands. He's actually a really nice run defender where he's able to just use his hands to, to stack and, and he can squeeze gaps and he maintains that outside leverage. And I think he's just a really polished edge player. Um, put him put him in a 3-4 um, right there on, uh, on the line of scrimmage. And uh, I think he... So, uh, Carl Lawson, actually, I think he's a first-round grade for me. Yeah, 23rd on my board. He's my last first-round grade. Uh, so I, I'm a big fan. Obviously, you wish he was longer, and, and you wish he wasn't didn't have the injuries. But uh, when he's on, man, this is, a, this is a really nice player. Yeah, and uh, Joe, you've been on the Lawson beat for quite a while. And you actually yep. also put me on a Taco Charlton. <laughs> um, Taco, jeez, uh, man, his... Size bend ratio should not be possible as far as how much tilt he's able to get when he's working in wider angles and the inside shoulder's down and he's trying to flatten and work the hips around an offensive tackle. Um, His pads are consistently lower than the pads of blockers that are two inches shorter than he is. It's crazy. Uh, that's where, for me, he's at his best. His issues are when he's trying to shuck blocks, uh, stack yes. and shuck blocks. Uh, there are times in which he gets his hands extended, and he's got great length, uh, but he doesn't have anything to pop those hands clear with consistency, whether it's like a forearm club or a sweep or like a push-pull, anything like that. He doesn't show a lot of consistency with that. And because he's tall, once he, he stacks the block, and he doesn't have anything to get get rid of it with, uh, he'll let the shoulders raise up a little bit, he'll concede some of his leverage, and he gets bubbled at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but as a pass rusher, uh, and, and as far as his athletic profile with his frame, uh, I think he can win in a, a number of different ways. He's fairly loose, he can work back inside across the face, uh, he can flatten and turn the corner on guys. Uh, if you give him a free rush, how dare you? Because uh, just ask Francois from Florida State. <laughs> Uh, he creamed him on a free free rush off the outside, and uh, um, Charlton moves very well 
for a guy that's like legit six six and a half, two hundred and seventy pounds. So uh, for what he can become, he's kind of like the A plus version of somebody we're probably going to talk about a little later, and that's Terrell Basham. Um, in that they have similar strengths and weaknesses. I think Charlton just has a, a higher thing than what Basham does, uh, but he's not totally there yet. But I think you see a lot of translatable stuff that, you know, Joe, you have him 48th, I have him 37th. He's 41st on the composite board. Um, so we both like him a good deal as far as, like, a, a second-round target for somebody. Yeah, you ready for some rapid fire? Let's let him rip, man. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll lead this off with one for you. Uh, let's just go. Let's go. Takaris McKinley, UCLA. Uh, linear, I think, is a good way to describe him. Um, his handwork's not there yet. Um, but when he's able to work and, and sees things in, in straight lines and can use some of his explosive traits uh, in a very functional, direct way, uh, he can be very disruptive. But. Uh, Somebody that still has some work to do as far as you know, keeping his body clean and staying off blocks. I'll give you Larry Ogunjobi, defensive tackle from Charlotte. Yeah, so uh, big fan. Um, he's explosive off the ball. Um, really well put together kid in terms of just thick everywhere. Carries his weight well. Um, nice hand usage. Um, really nice gap shooter. Uh, my issue with Ogunjobi is he you know, he beats blocks and then he's kind of out of control. Um, needs to kind of uh, beat blocks and locate the football and, and take better paths, but uh, he beats blocks, so we can credit there. Uh, he's not going to be a guy that's going to take on doubles, um, but uh, you know he can he can win with quickness and uh, he can hold his own against uh, single blocks. And I think he's a really nice uh, three technique that can you know equally play the run and, and the pass. Um, Next one for you, Mr. Krabs. Uh, Caleb Brantley, Florida. Uh, I would say the same exact thing you just talked about with Larry Akacholi. <laughs> <laughs> Beats blocks with quickness, uh, is wild and out of control afterwards. And Ogunjobi strikes me as somebody, as an athlete, that can redirect a little cleaner, uh, can get flat and get width better than Brantley. Brantley kind of is, he strikes me as when he moves, he runs like he's top heavy. And he's not because he's got a thick lower half. But just those feet can't come to balance and shift with enough quickness to consistently, uh, if he's you know, backside A gap and he's coming in on a slant and he beats the, the guard on a down block across his face and the ball's going off tackle away from him, uh, there's just not enough collect and redirect there for him to get out there and make those plays so if you're working with him in tighter spaces you trust the guys outside of him i think he can be somebody that's uh, very effective just don't ask him to play up and down the line of scrimmage use him in tight spots joe i'm gonna give you eddie vanderdoes ucla defensive tackle yeah so this is obviously guys had some injuries but um Big-time explosive guy off the ball, heavy, heavy hands. Uh, he's tough to move. Um, he's going to re reset the line of scrimmage all the time. He's going to live in the backfield. Uh, just needs to needs – to, <laughs> I guess it's the third guy in a row that's a little out of control. You know, he's he, – there's he no questioning what he's able to do to initiate contact and reset the line of scrimmage. It's just from there, he's so focused on – you know, whooping the guy in front of him that a lot of times he creates levels or works himself out of his gap um, and and uh, makes for some easy space for the running back. Um, so, uh, and his production's been underwhelming. So for as, as often as he gets into the backfield, he's not finishing like at all. Um, so I like I like the his demeanor and his intensity and his urgency. You know, he's just got to he's got to reel it in to uh, for the football application to be a little bit better. Uh, Dwayne Smooth, Illinois. Uh, like him, uh, just doesn't have a a trait to hang his hat on. It feels like uh, he he's got good size. As a rusher, uh, he's more finesse than power. He doesn't have a lot of extra juice in his lower half, but his hands ha have a pretty firm strike to them. Uh, didn't get a lot of opportunities to play free uh, when Lovey Smith came there. That was one thing when we talked to Smooth Senior Bowl. He said. Uh, Smith tried to give them more opportunities to uh, 
play with disruptive intent. And uh, you saw some of that, but you saw more of it with Carol Phillips than you did with Smoot. Uh, Smoot, uh, I think he's going to be a really solid player, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be a standout in any specific regard. Let's go Charles Harris, defensive end for Missouri. Yeah, there's a huge disparity between the way that both you and I see Charles Harris versus a lot of, you know, for me, he's the 100th player. For you, he's 115. For a lot of people, this is a top 20 player. So, uh, first of all, you like what he gives you in terms of speed off the edge, right? That's exciting, but the rest of it's just not there. I mean, this guy's not going to play the run at all. He can't hold up, um, and uh, he's literally just a, a more of a one-trick guy that's a little bit undersized. So, um, got some linear stuff to him as well because, you know, he, his – his um his agility testing was also pretty poor, um, but uh, you know you do see him work around the edge pretty effectively. But um, I'm a little bit underwhelmed by the entire package because I I think that his speed rush is going to be obviously mitigated at the next level, and he doesn't have a whole lot to the rest of his game to rely on. Uh, Tano Passignon Villanova Passignon. Okay. I've been working on it. Nicely done. <laughs> you, you get, when we're doing our live coverage, you get that one. Okay. Uh, Tano, length, upside, um, linear explosiveness. I think that's the best way to describe him. Um, has a really nice inside move. Uh, broke it off at the Senior Bowl a whole bunch of times and uh, has the length to profile really favorably as somebody that uh, we have him listed as a five tech, but he could be. He could be a defensive end and a four-man front. Um, I don't love him there. I think if you're going to optimize him, you're going to play him in a single-gap three-man front uh, where he gets uh, some disruption and you let him utilize his length to play off a lateral contact as compared to trying to bulk him up to the point where he can play and take on blocks and double teams at the point of attack. Uh, From Villanova, he's still a work in progress. Uh, not the most polished kid, but the upside's there, and it's very real. And, Joe, I'm surprised to find out that you like him by about 40 slots on your draft board more than I like him on mine. Buying into the upside, man. There you go, man. High ceiling player. Um, Digging down here a little deeper, let's go uh, Juan Price, Pittsburgh. This guy I want to hear <laughs> you talk about. Uh, you do? Um, he's he's interesting. Uh obviously made a ton of plays living in the backfield. Um, he's just a player that I don't know that he's going to be able to hold up uh, on the trenches. So I think he's going to be a guy that you have to create angles for. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know that he's going to be able to out muscle defensive or offensive tackles. I'm trying to pull up my notes here. Cause I had some very specific gripes on him. Um, I don't think, yeah, it's just the run stuff, right? I don't think he can squeeze gaps. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to set an edge. I think he's a gap shooter. Um, he's uh, he's just not an every down guy, so he's limited to a pass rushing role. Um, and he's but he's so five, good at it. He he is, uh, but I I I always discriminate against players that are not complete with their skill set. So okay, so and let's remember that's the next time you tell me that I don't like. Uh, or I like fo- small football players, and you like big football players. Because this <laughs> is like the like the quintessential case of that. I think. Fair enough. Let's uh, let's grab. Seems like we got probably three more we have to hit on. Okay. Um. Jordan Willis is obviously one that we need to talk about. Um. Probably Jaleel Johnson from Iowa seems like you would be a good one to have the floor for that. And then uh, I'll let you go dealer's choice in the last one. I'm going to steal Jordan Willis before you give me a chance to give me somebody else. Um, Is there a greater disparity for a player between what he tested and what he shows on the field? Um, (laughs) No. Chad Wheeler's and him, right? (laughs) Louise, like, Willis on film is so stiff. He doesn't redirect well. He doesn't flatten. He doesn't know how to press angles. Uh, But then he goes to the combine and he's just – he blows the doors off the place, and 
that makes me a little leery of him. It gives me more hope for him than when I than what I had when I just watched the film. Because uh, I thought, man, this is like a day three caliber player, and you know, I don't see a lot here as far as uh, the way he plays, as far outside of just simply executing and, and playing disciplined football, and he does that very well. Um, but there, there's obviously some ceiling here that if you can tap into that athletic ability, you can get him to be more effective. For me, it's can you get him more assertive with how he plays the game both in tight spaces and in open spaces. Uh, As a pass rusher, he's got to be more assertive to get under the outside armpit of that offensive tackle. He's too passive with his angles, he gets too far upfield, and he gets run past plays. And then when he does make the splash play, it's a lot of times it's just a second effort to peel back into the pocket. Uh, He has to be able to create torque in offensive tackles earlier in pass sets. And when he's in space, uh, I don't know what the the disconnect is because he he looks very mechanical and choppy. And if he can, you know, just let that loose, and you know, it's very clear that athletically speaking, this is a very gifted player. Um, and let him do that, then you may be able to get him close to what his athletic profile suggests his ceiling is. Getting into Jaleel Johnson out of Iowa. Um, he's a third round value for me, uh, but you're 90 spots lower on Jaleel Johnson than I am. Um, I, I like him a bit. I think he's got some nice stout, te- uh, you know, physical anchor type guy that, uh, he can beat blocks. Um, he actually, I think he, I think he has better play speed than he does time speed, um, in terms of how he's able to, uh, just attack blocks and, um, initiate contact. One thing, my gripe with Johnson, and you see this with a lot of players this year, is that their desire to make plays and get into the backfield and locate the football results in their pass, their pad level uh, rising, and they give up their chest, and they lose reps because their eyes are in, in, are focused on the backfield. So, uh, in a lot of situations, you know, he will lose that with his hips. And uh, and give up his chest, and you know, then he's it's game, you know he's game over there. So um, I like him kind of in that that shade that. Um, but I think he has starter upside. But you you I think you're you're a lot lower on Johnson than I am. Yeah, let's uh, uh, give me give me one more, and then we'll go to linebackers. Uh, yeah, I want to give you one more, and I'll let you. Th- it's going to be Demarcus Walker out of Florida State. Uh, uh, but what I want to I want to mention here. Uh, before we move on, is there's a lot of interesting players left. We're not going to be able to get into all of them. But uh, I, I had dinner with Brett Whitefield out of PFF last night, and we literally went through every single team's starting defensive ends, edge players, you know, based on scheme. By and large, the guys that you see starting in the NFL are first-round picks, some second-round picks, and then that's about it. There's few exceptions like Cameron Wake and Mario Addison, but by and large, the guys that are contributing. So when we talk about, uh, you know, day three edge players or, uh, you know, steals, it, 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 there's a very low hit rate on that. So that was something that was revealing, something I might get into uh, over the summer at NDT Scouting, looking at, you know, where where the players come from and the likelihood of them exceeding expectations. But uh, I wanted to mention that before you got into Demarcus Walker, which you sound disappointed that I picked him. Yeah, this is like you could have talked about Basham or Dimmick or Carol Phillips. You're going to give me Demarcus Walker. Uh, I, I want right. to hear your take. All right, yeah, so Demarcus Walker, Florida State. I'll call him defensive lineman because I'm not sure he's an edge. Um, highly productive football player. Was one of the most uh, highly producing uh, defensive linemen in the country this past year. Ton of tackles for loss, ton of sacks. Um, Walker's all power. Uh, he's got good length. He's got good pop in his hands. He's got no juice in his legs. And uh, he, he strikes me as somebody that, that's not especially loose, doesn't do very well when tasked with having to manipulate his body to work around bodies as a pass rusher. Um, when he's able to, to roll his hands into guys and create some collapse very early on, that's when you see Walker win because he'll get that initial collapse and then he carries that momentum through and then can transition off of bodies that way. But... Um. Yeah, 
just just very underwhelmed as far as watching DeMarcus Walker play and saying that's where he can win at the next level because tackles at the, the NFL level are going to have greater strength and greater consistency, so you're going to be tempering down what he does well and the success rate that he's going to have with it. And he doesn't have anything to build off it, in my opinion. Fair enough. Let's move on. Linebackers. Linebackers. Man. It's a good group this year. It, uh, it is. a lot of likable guys. It seems like I really like the middle-tier linebackers. Um much more than you do, sitting here looking at the red and green distribution yeah. on our, our uh, composite board here. But we're, we're right in line on the top two guys. Uh, we're pretty close on both of them. Uh, Joe, Ruben Foster, Alabama. Yeah, number two player on my board. Obviously, you want the rotator cuff to be fine, but uh, just a presence, man. Physical, flies everywhere, uh, reads and reacts to plays nicely. Um, can work to all areas of the field. He can a really nice curl defender, work out towards the flats as well. Um, you know, he he's that physical presence, and I, I really appreciate that in my second-level defenders, guys that are just going to fly around and, and, and take on contact and, and deliver, you know, the wood each and every play. So uh, he's lost a ton of weight, um, and, and it's really translated to him having better range. That was my one thing watching him over the summer last year. It was this is a this this guy has everything except for he lacks that range that's going to make him a, a big time prospect. Well, he dropped the weight and got the range. So um, really like the entire package. I think he projects as the faces of a defense at, at the next level. Hassan Reddick, man, uh, Temple, Philly boy, yeah, yeah. Uh, Reddick's one of the more fascinating, you know, specific cases in this year's draft as far as walked on at Temple as a defensive back, bulked himself up to play defensive end, was like a star pass rusher, and now he's getting looked at at linebacker. And I think his experiences in both ends of the spectrum are, are makes him such a fascinating player because he has the movement skills and the uh, mobility to be a pass coverage linebacker. And the fact that this was a player that played up on the line of scrimmage with such great consistency gives him a lot of good experience filtering through traffic and finding his way through bodies. So uh, Reddick, to me, is a three-down linebacker. You could realistically, in my opinion, you could play him at any spot. I'm playing him at Mike first because I think he has the most value there. Uh, Then I'm playing him at Will to really capitalize on his movement skills. But I would also be very receptive to playing him at Sam because of what he can do in pass coverage and, and covering tight ends and, and running down the field. So a uh, lot of ways you can win with this kid. I think he's a great athlete uh, and just uh, has been a treat to watch go through the draft process because he's a poster boy. If you show up, you do everything good, and you're a good football player, uh, it's going to take off for you real quick. Let's go. Yeah, he's he's going to go. Let's go Jared Davis from Florida. Yeah, man, love this guy. Um Another one of those presence types guys, you know, that are just fiery field general enforcer type player. Uh, really physical, very, very athletic, working downhill, uh, working to the boundary. He's good in coverage. He can carry tight ends into the seam and running backs into the flats, and you know he'll he'll make he'll he'll be solid in those areas. Um, uh, some issues with arriving. Uh, with the best angles, you know, sometimes his his paths are a little bit questionable when he misses some things in his peripheral vision. But um, uh, by and large, you know, this is a starter uh, for me, uh, inside linebacker, and uh, the guy that's going to be able to work all over the field. And and you know, he's he does take the cheese and stuff like that sometimes uh, on some misdirection, and he does want to get a quick jump on play, so that works against him at times. So that aggression is is a blessing and a curse, but. Um, you, you like the way he plays. Uh, we had him on draft dudes. Everyone heard that interview. This guy has through the roof football character. He's never going to cheat his teammates, and you know he's going to be a big time leader. So I like the whole package, and and he's actually one of my first, what my twenty second player on my board. That's the second to last first round grade that I have. So uh, would really love to see a team like the Giants or Raiders uh, right there in the in the twenties pick him because I think he's going to be a really nice football player. It's Bowser, Houston, Kyle, that's uh, one of your guys. Why don't you uh, take honors there? Yeah, it seems like we kind of flip-flopped our Bowser and Davis ranks. I have yeah. a 26th. Um, Bowser, for me, play him at Sam, 4-3 Sam. Uh, let him capitalize on his movement skills. He has tremendous transitional quickness working in space. Uh, more of a zone defender, uh, but he does very well to kind of transition and carry routes through his vicinity and pass coverage. 
Uh, he has some pass rush upside in that he he played a lot of rush play at Houston. Uh, Bowser doesn't have a lot of counters, which we just got done talking about with the defensive line group, but uh, he has enough twitch and enough mobility in his frame that he can flatten with suddenness, and he can redirect with suddenness, so if a gap opens up late, he can shoot through that. Uh, like his physicality, like his tackling habits, uh, j- just not necessarily uh, the value as a true Mike player and not a true rush linebacker, but as a best-of-both-worlds kind of guy, uh, I-, I like him quite a bit. Let's go... Um, just so we're not going straight down the board, because our first four, the first four we have on our composite board. Let's go Jalen Reeves Mabin from Tennessee. Yeah, man. Uh, loved him in 15. Uh, played like his hair's on fire. One of those guys that's going to work out towards the, the outside the numbers even and make plays. You know, he, he gets a he gets a really nice read on screens and, and boundary runs and just takes great paths and you know, high high urgency player. Um, and then you get to 2016, uh, and he was struggled in his first couple games. And then I believe it was a forearm injury. I can't remember what injury it was, but shoulder. Uh, shoulder okay, yeah. shoulder, shoulder that really took away his season, and uh, everyone kind of forgot about him. But um, for us, he's I think he's a top 75, top 76 player for both of us. And uh, you know, I think he's a really nice four three will. And, uh, you know, if he can recapture what he showed in 2015, I think he got a starter. Yes, sir. How about Blair Brown out of Ohio? Oh, man, I love Blair. Blair is not as much as you do, apparently, because you have him 18 spots higher. 73rd and 91st (laughs) on our respective boards. 74th on the composite board. Blair, uh, if he was like three inches taller, man, or if he played at Ohio State instead of Ohio, uh, I think he would get a lot more buzz. Super physical. Very effective playing forward into the line of scrimmage. Uh, He has a respectable amount of mobility in space, uh, but where you really see him flash the best is when he is uh, playing forward, seeing blocks develop, and getting aggressive to press into those alleys and greeting the ball carrier at or behind the line of scrimmage. Very effective in that way. I think that makes him a very attractive option as somebody that uh, is maybe uh, a 3-4 interior linebacker and uh, because he has enough range that you can ask him to drop off and, and play some zone coverage. Uh, and if you're working him in tighter spaces with edge guys out in wide stances, uh, you don't have to be so apprehensive about what's uh, adequate but not great lateral range and really let him key between the tackles and do what he does best. Um. I, want, can I, I gotta talk about Zach Cunningham real quick here. Go ahead, shoot him uh, in there. Yeah, he's my thirty fourth ranked player on my board. I've been I've been on this train for a long time. Um, really like his ability to flow to all parts of the field. He gets places that other linebackers don't get on the field. Long, athletic guy. Um, I think his de- play diagnosing skills are, are really top. You can tell he's really prepared and dialed in and understands how the offense wants to attack the defense, and he, he gets a great read on plays. Um, he can carry tight ends into the seam. Uh, you know, I don't have any questions about that. He there's, there's times in zone where he's just a step late, you know, where it, he'll the, the tight end or receiver in his zone will, will plant and step off of him, and, and it's – it's those little leverage completions. So I want to see him get a little bit quicker uh, closing in on zone uh, at the catch point. But um, the big gripe with him is, is, you know, the tackling. He missed a lot of tackles. There's no way around it. Um, but it's something where he's just arriving to the football off balance. It's not because he doesn't want to hit and he's not aggressive. He's just he's got to square up better. Um, so hopefully that can be corrected because, I really like I really like Zach Cunningham. I think he's got a, a lot of potential here to be a starter. Um, and really, probably inside, maybe Sam, maybe Will. I'm sure I have a, a slam dunk spot for him. I think he could play all three positions. Fair enough. Uh, one more each, Joe. Clock's a ticking. Let's go. Okay. Well, you have honors here. No, because you just did Zach Cunningham, so you got to pick one for me. Oh, pick one for you. Yeah. Well, I... Selfishly, I want Tanner Vallejo, but I, I just feel dirty doing that, man. This is your guy. That's right. I'll take Tanner Vallejo. I got I got a good one for you to close with. 
right. Uh, Tanner Vallejo, Boise State. Uh, we talked about him. We've tried to get some excitement for him here on the show because he's very good, believe it or not. Um, again, I've made a comparison several times here on Draft Dudes, but reminds me of Kiko Alonso's film coming out of Boise, uh, out of Oregon, where Vallejo is, for a lot of the same reasons that Joe just met with Zach Cunningham, uh, too wild before the point of first contact. And that's where you see some ugliness creep into his game. But as far as his range, his mental processing, his click and close ability, his aggressiveness and willingness to, to roll up on guys and hit guys, and uh, his toughness, he played this entire past year, uh, with the exception of the last two or three games, uh, with a broken wrist and, and played the whole year with it in a cast and they said it was like popping in and out on him and he had to like come back to the sideline get it popped in and then and go back on the field um love what he brings to like it he just embodies uh nfl linebacker as far as his demeanor and the way he plays the game his range is excellent he's going to be a really nice uh kind of coverage linebacker option for somebody, but he can also play forward if you're going to give him space to work. So I really like him a good deal. Joe, we're going to finish with Raquan McMillan. I wanted to give you Alex Anzalone, but I can't wrap the linebacker show and not have us talk about Raquan McMillan. Yeah, um, he's a Mike. Um, really like what he's able to do. Uh, taking great pass to the football, being physical with blocks, active hands. He's not going to miss tackles. Um, doesn't have best range, but he gets a good jump on plays and takes smart pass to the ball and, and, and filters through contact well. Um, think he can play hook cor- hook curls uh, in terms of zones, just kind of the short underneath stuff. I don't want him carrying tight ends and running backs into space. I don't think he's going to do much in, in that area. And, you know, he's he's not a player that, you know, if if he's the last line of defense with a bunch of space uh, around a running back, uh, you know he gets isolated. I, you know I'm not I'm not the most comfortable in the situations, but uh, where he wins, I think he offers a lot of value. Um, I think he's a little bit more than just a plug guy. Um, I think he can get a little bit outside the tackles, and, and his play diagnosing skills are really nice. So um, I don't think he's an overly high ceiling player, but you know, can he uh, a very, very solid long-term starter as a Mike linebacker? Yeah, I'm buying that. And that that's going to do it for the front seven episode of the Dudes. Uh, we will be back on Monday to talk about the secondary. we got corners and safeties. Uh, Joe, that's another crop of like 60 guys for us to filter through. So. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have our hands full. But it is the last Friday show before the NFL draft. And we are very excited that you guys have listened up to this point. Our listenership is blowing up, by the way. We've set records like the past three shows. So thank all of you who are making time out of your busy schedules to include us in your day. We greatly appreciate it. And we would kindly ask that you see what else we have going on. Uh, you can reach us on social media. I am at NDT Scouting. Joe is at the Joe Marino. You can visit us at www.ndtscouting.com. If you have not gotten on your NDT Premium membership, what are you doing? This is such a great steal. It's $20, Joe. How many player reports did you do this year? 300. And how many player reports did I do this year? 300. Okay, and how many draft guides did they get for $20? Deuce. Okay, I was waiting for you to say 300. I was going to be a little worried. Uh, <laughs> so you get two draft guides with 300 players, player reports each from Joe and myself for $20. 12 months access on the site. We're going to be doing insider stuff all year round. Highly encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, but first and foremost, thank you guys so much for listening to Draft Dudes. Uh, we would not be here if it was not for you guys, the listeners. Uh, Greatly looking forward to finishing off this draft coverage for 2017 next week before the 2017 draft, and then we'll get into some draft recaps, and then it's off to 2018. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Kyle Krause with Joe Marino, and we will talk to you on Monday. 
You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.